Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Not much. How are you? I realize these chairs are extremely loud. They are very loud. We need to get some office chairs in here. I don't know how I... I think it's just... Thank God for (laughs) post-production. Post-editing. Yeah, especially with the baby, too. My goodness. I realized that last one we just did with Tracy Bowen. Uh Uh-huh. Squeak there. Little Anderson. He was throwing a fit the entire time. And he barely comes through. Uh Uh-huh. Thanks for the blessings of post-production. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, anyways. Yep. I'm sorry for anybody who has a problem listening to a baby cry. We uh, really good. apologize. This is giving me something. When I hear him hollering, it gives me something. I, I know I can make fun of him later on <laughs> when he's like 15. <laughs> he's just trying to talk and agree with everything that's going on. Exactly right. Yeah. Or he's upset and he's that they calm people out on their bull crap. So, it's okay. <laughs> Miss, just me and you tonight. And... And we got LaDonna Covert back. Yes, we do. LaDonna, how you doing? I'm good. It's good to be back. I've been looking forward to it. We have as well. It's uh, the last episode you were on was a uh, pretty big hit. Like people, yes. people really we enjoyed it. We had fun it. with that one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, they enjoyed it. We're still getting comments. By, oh, I need to pull up one because there was a guy. He said he just stumbled across us. Oh, Let no. Let me see if I can pull this up. Because he, he stumbled across this and was telling me some things that he did at AWC. Because we initially started going through the AWC handbook. Right. And then we got LaDonna on for part two. So he got in trouble at AWC? Or what see was if this? I can pull this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say he got in trouble would be... A good term? Uh, yeah, that would be not doing it justice at all. Oh, That's really? Uh, oh, let me man. scroll down through here. Okay. Thank I'm interested for... in really finding out what this said. I wonder if it's as bad as like church camp with your brother got kicked off a church camp. My brother kicked off a church mm-hmm. camp. My, you, when did my your, brother? Your brother's camp? not allowed at the church camp anymore. Wait, wait. Tim. Oh yeah, yeah, my older brother. Yeah. We need to talk about church camps not next. Uh, yeah, we do need to go over that because there's a lot of church camp stuff that I got in trouble for. But you know, heaven forbid, I, it's like not even as bad as what's really going on. <laughs> I was just a scapegoat, and my brother wearing a gay shirt. That's another thing we need to talk about. Yeah, they they, they called you out for that, didn't uh-huh. they? I got a lot of messages, too, from people. I okay. did, that list. did you really? I want to hear. Yeah, I got a message from the daughter of the guy who founded Founded what? BMI. <gasps> oh. Really? Who's that? Who's that? Yeah. Can you tell me? The guy who founded it? Yeah, I can't. Who was the founder? Miss, you don't. Brother Boynton. I don't. I don't recognize that name. I really don't. Your dad will recognize it. Yeah. His kids are all older. Um. Yeah, she sent me a text because she posed a question on her own Facebook about Bible college dating rules, 
to my podcast. Uh huh. We're having a bad connection, right? Yeah. Ladonna, can say. you call me back on on my phone number? We got a bad connection. You're cutting in and out. Yeah, I was having a hard time hearing some stuff. Okay. Hello. Yes. Oh, Hello. that's much better, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay, yes. Good deal. Okay. All right. So you were talking about the uh, the BMI president, uh, some relation to his. Yeah, made his a Facebook daughter. Po- they made a Facebook yeah. post. Yeah, she did. She was asking about Bible college rules, and she was talking about the the rules at BMI when she was going there in the what would have probably been the I want to say the fifties or sixties. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and then other people were commenting commenting about Hope Sound rules and um, other Bible college rules and. So it was interesting, and so I asked her if she had listened to my podcast, and um, <laughs> she had not. So then we had a good discussion, and she actually sent me a video of her father before he died. Um, she did a, a little interview with him for a group of kids who were raised in holiness and had come out of it, kind of like the precursor to this. Really? Um, yeah, there's a group, and they're called Camp Meeting Kids. I have and never heard of a, this. They they even get together at different places across the country for reunions and things. And um, wow! So her dad made a, a recording for them, and he apologized actually for the harshness of the way they had gotten away from the main thing and focused too much on the wrong things. Yeah, and wow. that he was hoping that people would remember him with a legacy of love and not with rules. And it was just very encouraging that he would come to that, you know, and be willing to apologize and to confess that to his kids. And then to these other kids that he had influenced over the years. See, that's, that's interesting because when my dad, February 4th, um, my dad was going to be put on the ventilator. We really thought he was going to die. Um, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before in a podcast, Phil. Oh, yeah, we covered it because okay. we did the update from Pittsburgh at the time. Because yeah. my dad, he apologized to me, and he said, I'm very sorry for everything you know, that I might have done to hurt you. I tried to send you to a place where I thought you would be, get help, and in fact, it hurt you. And he apologized. He thought I was doing everything right, like the church wanted me to. And, um, yeah, he, my dad apologized for sending uh-huh. me to Bible college. So I, I yeah. it was rough. I really thought my dad was going to die. And for my dad to say that, I really was like, okay. Was a big deal. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So kids. the feedback, the feedback from the podcast has been, has been positive and good. That's um, good. Good. And a lot of people have reached out and said, I really enjoyed it. You know, I laughed, I cried, it moved me, you know, whatever. Right. Um, That's awesome. So, well, here's a little high, yeah. uh, what conundrum, whatever we find ourselves mm-hmm. in, Miss. We didn't start this podcast off to do this. Right. But we've, I think it's John Baker was telling me, he's like, y'all found your niche. Niche? Right. How do you say it? Niche? Is that right? Your niche. 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 Yeah. Like, like an itch. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you know, basically swinging at the CHM yeah. has kind of turned into what y'all do. And, and we don't, we didn't mean for that to be. Yeah. But mm-hmm. once you start dipping your toes in that water, you realize there's a ton of people mm-hmm. that are messed up with this thing and yeah. messed up big time. Right. 
Right. And I, I never want it to be that I'm taking a swing at them. I want it to be that I am offering hope to hurting people that have been hurt by them. Much better way to put and it. Yes. I think that you're, you said it in one of your podcasts in response to somebody that wanted you to tone things down. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't to the CHN. Right. This is to people who are hurting and feel hopeless and are one wanting to know, is there life after this? And yes. that's, that's my mission. And I think I talked to you about that in just a text exchange, just almost feels like being a missionary mm-hmm. Yes, it um, does. To, to offer hope. And Tracy in her podcast that I listened to this morning, she said that she wanted people to know there is there is life in Jesus and there is a relationship outside of the CHM. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, that's, that's my story. Right. Um, so yeah, we're, we're always so focused and I, I didn't realize it until I came back to the States, but we're always so focused on the mission field outside of the United States that we forget about our mission, our people that are inside. And I think sometimes that, it takes a lot more guts to go to the uh, like the people here in the United States. Oh yeah, the outcast here, yeah. the ki- the ones that have been kicked out of the church, than it does for someone to go overseas. Um, yeah, I, I could be completely wrong with that, but that was just my observation because everybody's always making a big deal about the missionaries going out there, but we don't want to talk about the druggie that's the sitting. People here get forgotten, right? Yeah. The druggie that's sitting on the side of the curb, or the drug, uh, the drunk that's out there, just you know drinking himself to death you know we gotta we gotta help our own for sure before we get into right. LaDonna's story let me read it and i don't even know if i, <laughs> if I want to say the, <laughs> say the old boy's name because i don't know if he's still if the statute of limitations is over on what he did <laughs> oh no <laughs> so, 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 he wrote in response to the episode where we went through the awc allegheny westland college the book? Through their handbook, okay, which was freaking ridiculous. That was nuts, right? And so he he wrote in and he said this. He said, "Just discovered your podcast. The destructive the destructive pranks rule goes back over twenty years ago, thanks to me and a few other guys. Remember they had the the rule where no destructive pranks, and we uh-huh. we laughed okay. about that. Let's just say that we were allowed to finish the year, but me and one other guy were told not to come back. Uh oh. <laughs> I had pretty much already made up my mind that I was done with religion, period, and I walked away from it all. But the pranks we pulled that year were quite hilarious to us, but not to the faculty. So then, of course, you say something like that, and I'm like, I wrote him back. I said, can you give us some examples? Uh-huh. I got to hear some examples. <laughs> yes. And uh, so he said, <laughs> he said, we stole the maintenance pickup and put it in the auditorium twice. <laughs> The maintenance oh pickup. Yeah. <gasps> they put it down. <laughs> oh my goodness! First time we had the keys. Second time we didn't. <gasps> we broke into the administration office and messed with the dean of students' computer. Another time we took the mail and put it in wrong boxes. Uh, <laughs> uh, another time we broke into the administration office and messed with the student financing. Uh, did, oh no! <laughs> this guy went, went over the top. They, they were like 
Oh if my I goodness! Heard this story, They're I Dennis the menaces. I wouldn't have laughed at that rule if I didn't know the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see where I'm at here. Uh, they messed with student financing. Uh, we did a few pranks on cars that went wrong, mm. and we also deflated tires of the neighbors who had ratted us out. <laughs> <gasps> over, oh no! Over something that I can't even remember. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. The one thing where it says they messed with their cars and it went wrong. Yeah, that that sounds a little. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but they do put sugar yeah. in the gas tank. I don't know, but oh. uh, you see why I didn't want to say the guy's name. I have no desire yeah. for him to get arrested because yes, I don't right. want to get in trouble right. either. That was we know what it's like to be threatened with the law. Don't yeah, we? we did nothing like this. Let yeah, me just be clear. Right. Yes, exactly. Anyways. Oh, my goodness. But Donna, you mentioned when you were on last time, um, I think we got a little bit of your backstory. You said you were you grew up in, was it Arizona? I did. I did. I grew up in Phoenix and um, uh, spent 20 years there. And my it, during that 20 years, there was a three-and-a-half-year period where we lived um, in Barberton, Ohio, and my dad worked at the Barberton Rescue Mission with Bruce Hawthorne. Oh, oh and, Bruce Hawthorne, um, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, never yeah. Been well. yeah, so we were there from 79 to 81, and um, so we were there when the tragedy struck the family, and he lost his wife and little girl in that car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we um, left there and went to Texas for a short time and attended a BMC church down in Odessa. And then we were just there. It was during Reagan and everything had just tanked and uh, my dad couldn't find work. So we went back to Phoenix and um, so lived there until I went to, you can take that out later, (laughs) Uh but um, went to that school and met my husband um, and then in 1989, he moved to Arizona from uh, Muncie and um, lived in the concrete jungle with me there for, um, we lived there till the November of 1990. And he had had all he could take. And so we moved, um, tried to move back to Indiana and I'm sure that most people think it's beautiful, but I'm not one of those people. Neither am I. <laughs> so, um, uh, we had an opportunity to come to East Tennessee, and it felt like home as soon as we got here. Uh, it felt like home to me. It took my husband a whole lot longer for the Lord to change his heart. But <laughs> we moved um, to Tennessee, and when we got here, it was the day before our second wedding anniversary, and our First, our baby was nine months old, and we've been here ever since. And we, um, in April of next year, will be married 34 years. And Aww. so, yeah, this is home, definitely home. So y'all been in Tennessee for a good little while then? Yeah. Yeah, we've been here for uh, 31 years. And, um, yeah, this is all that my kids know. Um, sure. as home. So I have two boys. One is 32 and in the army and one is 20, almost 24. Yeah. And he lives here. Um, he has his own place, but he lives close by to us. So, Aww. yeah. Heck yeah. That's Shout good. out to those guys. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So if you could, uh, we just had Tracy Bowen on right. a little while mm-hmm. ago and she did a phenomenal job of really just telling her story. Right. Of how she, uh, she came to the, 
uh, how she came she, to know she Jesus decided, and yeah, where she yes. got saved. And, and I think that those stories are powerful. Absolutely. And it. that's that's why I wanted to have you back on, LaDonna, was to to talk about this. So if you could just and go into as much detail as you want or as little detail as you want, that's completely up to you. But just kind of tell us like what, what led up to you deciding that the CHM was was no longer for you. Okay. Um, so I was telling a friend today that um, part of my story is that I do not have one single memory of any time in my life that I did not love Jesus. I've always had a desire to love him and serve him. And my whole life, every memory that is a core memory has to do with Sunday school and flannel graph and (laughs) vacation Bible school and, you know, ceramic praying hands and all of the things and um, the Zacchaeus songs and the penny marches and everything those are all core memories. Um, camp meeting, revivals. I mean, we would drive from Phoenix, Arizona to Clinton, Pennsylvania every summer. Oh, wow. Wow. And <laughs> it, was, it was the longest trip, but we knew we were going to be there for 10 days. And it was, that was family vacation. Mm-hmm. And yep. it was not a vacation, but it was <laughs> a highlight of, of our life, you know, um, And so I don't ever remember not loving Jesus, even throughout my whole ordeal of us being so hurt by the church. I never not wanted to be in relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, So lest anyone would say, oh, she was just rebelling and she's just looking for an easier way. All of the things that have been said to us. Um, right. That's yeah. not the case. Yeah, that's that's just not the case. So, grew up in holiness churches. Um, my husband grew up in um, a conservative holiness denomination. It was a little bit different than what I grew up in, um, but still, you know, we we believed the same core things, um, and. So we got married, and um, we were attending the same church that my parents had gotten married in um, 20 years before that and had the same pastor marry us, um, same pastor dedicated our son that dedicated me. Um, So it was, no, this was his second time as pastor with some years between, but it's the same church that I grew up in. And I, I say that. If my parents had gotten upset with a certain pastor that came in, we would jump to the other holiness church. Uh. Um, And then if that didn't work out, well, then we would go to the other holiness church. There were several churches that we would kind of, you know, yeah, we attended there until their pastor shift. And then, okay, yeah, we can go back to this one because the pastor is better. You know, it was just, that was just the reality. It wasn't church growth. It was whoever was moving from one church to another. Yeah, exactly. Um, A little church hopping. (laughs) Right, right. Well, my husband didn't grow up like that. And that's Ah. a core, important piece of the story, of our story, because he grew up, when you went to a church, you made a commitment, almost like a lifelong sign a contract, you're going to this church no matter what. Um, And I didn't grow up like that. Um, If you didn't like something or if something was better over there, you just go over there. 
So when we came to Tennessee, um, there was a church and there was a school associated with that church, a Christian school. And that's actually how we got housing was we agreed to, I would be the school janitor and um, in exchange for rent on this um, apartment on campus for us to live in. And my husband got a a job at a shop. He was a mechanic. Um, And so we started going to church there and making friends. And, you know, um, I don't have a problem with making friends. My husband is very backwards and very quiet. So (laughs) I do all the talking and I get all the friends (laughs) and then I just bring him along for the ride. Right. But um, so the pastor that was there at the time, um, he left not too long after we started going there and they, um, they had another pastor come in and then they bought a building uh, that was off the campus. Cause the church was at the, at, on the campus. They bought another building and, and it was a cute little church, brick church. And we were going there and our son was in school and, um, there came a day when our finances were such this is we're a one income family with a one car we're one car one income hmm. in the early 90s and um we could not afford the tuition for the Christian day school for our son and so um and my cuz my husband and his brother had recently started a business and so Things were tight, you know, in those first few years of owning your own business. So, I, when I was thinking about this and praying about the story, trying to figure out what it was that the Lord used first to start what I call pulling out the feathers from the nest to make it uncomfortable mm-hmm. and get us yep. out of our comfort zone, it was the school. When we had to tell our son, we cannot afford to send you to school, we're going to have to homeschool you. Because for our family, personally, it, public school wasn't an option. And so, and we this just, was a that CHM was school he was attending, correct? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Um, so, when we told him that, he's, so he's finishing the third grade. And um, he became very sad because... In the whole church, he was the only child in the church that was not attending this this church school. I see. So he, that's where all of his friends were. And he said, I'm not going to have any friends. And so, of course, it makes me sad, you know, and I'm like worried. And right. the Lord worked it out for us to be at Pizza Hut one day, he and I, um, and by this time, I had a, a he was just a, about to be two-year-old little boy, and um, we were doing the Book It program, you know, with the take your certificate in and you get a free personal pan pizza for oh, reading yeah. so many books. Mm-hmm. And so, we're talking about it. He's sad. I don't even know. He may have even been crying about, I don't want to homeschool because I won't see any friends and I won't have any recess and I won't, you know, because it's all about recess. Aww. But um <laughs> In in the to Pizza Hut walks five moms and a entire passel of kids. I think they each had two or three kids apiece, and I knew that it was 
typically, it was spring break for us, but it was during IHC. So it wasn't your typical spring break for the local schools. So I, I just felt the Lord nudge me to go over and ask these moms if they were homeschoolers. And I did. I took the chance and I said, I just have to ask you, do you homeschool? And they said, yes. And I brought my son over and I said, would you mind for us to try to connect because we're getting ready to start and he's afraid that he won't have any friends. And these kids just started introducing themselves and loving on him. And the moms told me all about the homeschool co-op and the local classes and the scout groups and all of these things. And we are still friends with those people today. They are some of our closest friends all of these years later, this was 2000. And it was out of that, out of that exchange where the Lord then had us step outside of our box of community that we had been in with where we were only associating with people that were CHM. And we were meeting these people and my son started asking questions Questions like, well, is Miss So-and-so a Christian? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, yeah, she absolutely is. And he said, but she wears pants. Mm-hmm. And she cuts her hair. And, and what really drove the dagger in my heart was when he said to me after a park day that we had had with a big group of people, he said, Mom, I didn't know that black people could be Christians. Oh, wow. And I said, Mm. what did you just say? And he said, I didn't know that black people could be Christians, but Miss So-and-so is a Christian, right? And I said, absolutely. Her husband pastors a church. And it dawned on me that we had never interacted with any other races. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Um, And so... I'm like this. This is this is uh, uh, this is a problem, <laughs> um, and so we yep. took the next 17 years. We homeschooled our kids um, all the way through to to high school seniors. Um, but those two things, taking him out of the Christian school and homeschooling him and exposing ourselves to other people in the community were the two big things that then led us. We were continued to encounter people at crisis times in our lives that um, we, when we needed help, they were the ones who answered the call. They were the first ones to come. They were the ones who prayed. They were the ones who came and helped. They were the ones Not to say that our church family at that time didn't love us, but the thing that kept coming back that these people all had in common, they were all attending this one particular church in town. And so when we went to church one day and the church was up for sale and no one knew anything about it, not even the church board. Wow. um, Oh, how does that happen? How does that happen? The pastor had just decided to, on a whim, to put the church and the school up for sale and see which one sold first. Oh, my Lord. And 
my husband started asking questions about, well, what are you going to do about this and that and the other? And the pastor just shut him down from the pulpit and said, we're not going to ask those kinds of questions. Oh, of course. Of course not. (laughs) Gee whiz. Oh, my God. His words were, that is the most asinine question I've ever heard. I'm not going to answer that. That's wow. what the preacher said from the pulpit? Yes. Oh, dear. And so... <laughs> my, my body's wow. blown. I'm a, I, I can't believe yeah. that. I'm a gun. Well, so, Seriously. Ooh. So, along with that, and then um, the pastor said, you know, I'm just going to tell you in my personality, um, I I may be looking at you when you're talking to me, but I'm not listening. In my head, I'm figuring up a math problem Wait. or thinking about fusion. Wait, um, Wait a minute. So, Wait a minute. The, the pastor, that's, yes. that's the pastor said this to you guys? He said it in a sermon. Oh, my Lord. Oh, so he's not even listening to his people. No. Oh, my. So, so fast forward, my son, now my oldest son is now 15, 14, 15. He's about to be 16 and i am telling my husband uh, i mean we my younger son is 8 at the time and every saturday night he is in tears mm. he's in the bathroom with a stomach ache and he's begging us to not go to church on sunday oh and i told my husband i said there has to be a better way and i said i know that I know that you make a commitment and you don't want to leave a place. You don't want to church hop, but you have a choice. You can either leave and take us somewhere where we can get healthy, or we will sit here on this pew and drop into hell from the pew because wow. we cannot function this way. And because you said so it, it was decided, like his upbringing was that you didn't, you didn't church hop. You kind of made a commitment and stayed there. Right, right. So, um, our, at this time, our ch- our children, it was just our children and the pastor's children. This was a new pastor, but it wasn't any better. I mean, it wasn't it not any better. It wasn't any different. Um, so the pastor had two children, and we had two children. And um, I said, we're going to lose our teenager. We are going to lose our teenager, and I refuse to let that happen. And so we visited um, another holiness church that was about 10 miles away, and the boys said, no, please, no. And so um, my husband's gut was like, no, this is not the right thing. And so we were invited to an event at that church where we had kept all these people that we were encountering, they all had this church in common, and it was fairly new. It was five years old. It had been a plant from a church um, in the big city that's close by, and so we went, and on the first Sunday of November um, in 2006, and on the way home, the boys could not stop talking about it. And when can we go back? And this was so cool. And that was so cool. And, and, um, the whole entire service, I just bawled and my husband was just angry. 
And for a year, he did not speak to one single person in the congregation. And what was weird is no one spoke to him. Oh, wow. Um, and so it was almost like the Lord was hiding him from people. I was speaking to everybody. I mean, I called two <laughs> days after their first service and I wanted to join a small group and I wanted to, uh-huh. and he's just putting on the brakes. And um, because we'd been at the other church for 15 years sure, right. and um, I had been the pianist and he played the guitar and, you know, and he's like, we're just abandoning them. And, and I said, but, we're trying to save our family. And so we had family in that church. And so when we left, um, it was a, it was a big change because it was a completely different church. And my husband, he, I mean, he, he tells people now, but every Sunday I would come home and I would say, I just was so amazed at the songs at this song and that <laughs> song and whatever. And he said, they don't know what they're singing about. Aww. They just don't know what they're singing about. They're not even wearing suits. They're not, uh-huh. I mean, the drummer yep. has tattoos and the uh, worship I, leaders. And I can relate to your and, husband. I really can. I used to, I used to feel the same way. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I know what he was going through because I've went through the same thing myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the pastor would, he was a sweater vest guy. And so, um, he would tell Joe in his suit, man, you're dressed better than the pastor. And (laughs) Joe would take that, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. You know, (laughs) that there's a problem here. Do you not see what the problem is? (laughs) Right. 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 But, um, the Lord used that time, um, to, really get a hold of him and show him his pride and the sinfulness of his pride. And at that church, we had an opportunity. We had an opportunity for our son to join a youth group that was going through the the Westminster catechism and um, which I had never even learned. And our younger son had an opportunity to be part of Sunday school classes that were taught by men. And and I had never encountered men's Sunday school classes for children, but, you know, to see the strong leadership that was teaching kids and all of the curriculum for the adults and the children was the same. And it was all there were, the family is studying the whole thing. There was no, no sign of Herald and Banner Press anywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. that was just (laughs) the Sunday school paper and all that stuff. Um, You know, but this is where families can have, and then they were sending us with discussion questions, things from the sermon or things from Sunday school, talk about this as families. And this was all new because, you know, um, we didn't really talk about anything from the sermons. And the other thing that we encountered was for the first time was expositional preaching rather than topical preaching. It was we're reading through whole books of the Bible, preaching these in context, yes. verse by verse. Uh-huh. I feel like and that is a huge deal. Me and my buddy talked and I can, a huge deal. I can never remember which one's which. But I know whichever one I heard is not the good one. Right. <laughs> because yeah, they abuse it. Like they'll pull some. I've heard so many times right. some passage of scripture pulled out of 
the Old Testament. So just for instance, and not to open a can of worms, but just to show what I've heard, uh, it's in the book of Isaiah somewhere where it talks about a highway of holiness. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. of course, is talking about the second work. And they would make whole messages. Based on yeah. that one little yeah. phrase. Over, yeah, over something. Right. That is, And some of those guys were good at doing that in the New Testament, too. I remember there was a guy, Archie Atwell Sr. Mm-hmm. I remember him preaching on the story of Zacchaeus. And he was talking about when Zacchaeus was climbing up the tree and he said he could almost see Jesus. He said, but there was there was two leaves still in his way. He said one was shaped like a T and the other was shaped like a V. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. So, yes, I know and exactly what you're talking is, about. As a kid, you would totally think that oh, that yeah. was the truth. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> that's Bible. I heard it so-and-so say it, and we're supposed to believe what he says. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Zacchaeus couldn't see because right. of the Zacchaeus TV. Zacchaeus could not see because of the TV. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm sorry, LaDon. Go ahead. No, I mean, that, so I was asking our pastors on Sunday, um, I said, I'm going to be on this podcast, and I want to tell our story um, of coming out of legalism and walking into grace. And I said, people are going to ask, how do you find a healthy church uh-huh. and what is a healthy church? Yes. And so I, I, they told me to look at this website and then there's also a book by Mark. Oh, I want to say it's either Devers or whatever. Um, the nine marks of a healthy church. Nine marks and, of a healthy church. Okay. And it, the website is not the number nine marks.org. And you can put in any city in the U.S., and it will list the churches that meet these nine qualifications of a healthy church. Nine marks.org. Okay. Yes. And one of them, the very top one, is expositional preaching. Um, Because here's what Joe and I found over time, over the years, um, holiness preachers would jump over the hard passages uh-huh. and they wouldn't <laughs> deal with it. Yep. But mm. when you have to read through this verse by verse to the congregation and preach a message, you cannot jump around it. You cannot get past it. You have to talk about it. And we have heard some really deep, deep preaching. And to the point that when we attend a different church, not just not even a CHM church, but any other church for any other reason, you realize, man, we are really getting fed some serious meat. I know. And uh-huh. Yep. Everything else seems so watered down and so superficial. So the number one thing that really started us on a um, on a journey is this expositional preaching. If I could jump in here again, because there's, I've heard this as as well, when, whenever these guys, because you talk about how instead of preaching through the scripture, they can jump over the hard passages. And I right. have tried to find this clip and some, because me and Kanan were talking about playing this and, and just talking about it. I heard a CHM preacher one time and he was up there ranting and raving against or that divorce and remarriage was never okay. Right. That, you know, they accept fornic- for fornication and where Paul talks about if the you know, basically, if you're deserted by the unbeliever. Right. The CHM circles I grew up in, Miss, you were different, but the ones I grew up in, that was a no-no major. Right. So 
I heard a preacher just the other day. He was preaching against, he was agreeing with that topic that there's never a case for that. And he quoted from the Bible that if a man put away his wife and marries another, he commits adultery. Now he left out one major, major phrase. Uh huh. And it depends on which gospel you read, right. whether that phrase is included or not. Right. But, and I think it's in Matthew, Jesus said, except for the cause of fornication. Right. But this guy, to back up his point, decided, well, that's not the one I'm going to quote. Mm-hmm. And so to that yeah. crowd sitting there that morning, they were not enlightened that there was any other way to interpret that verse except for his pet little sections right. of the Bible Well, to back up what he believed. And... And the thing of it is, too, my dad, he always says this, and I, I never thought about it this way, but it's true. Whenever you want to talk about tongues, for example, okay, you want to leave that, the Holiness Church wants to leave that part out because they do not understand it. You're right. And, and I don't subscribe to tongues like the Pentecostal movement does. Right. I tend to think, and I'm still, we're actually having, Guess. Ready, ring that bell here, I'll ring the bell. Don Van <laughs> Uh, Don Van Zandt. He's coming on at some point to talk <laughs> yes. about tongues because right. he's got a different viewpoint on it now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But that's what the Holiness compl- Church does. Yes, they would completely gloss over that because they Don't couldn't explain those certain passages. Right. right. Yeah. So, and, and I'm kind of like, why not do your research and look into it? Right. You know? But that would bring up another can of worms so that they don't understand. So they just kind of like, let's just stop right here and not talk mm-hmm. about it. The the other thing that is um, that that has changed our our thinking is um, church discipline and how you deal with conflict. And I think that you were talking about this with Tracy about they don't they don't deal with conflict at all. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't debate. They don't, you know, do these things. And so, okay, we, we left a church where the pastor basically went rogue and, you know, the board had no clue and, and whatever. Um, and then we go to this church and we're there two years and this is an elder led church. So there's not, it's not a pastor with a board. This is 12 men who are nominated and elected by the the church body to govern the church. We have a teaching pastor, but the elders can also teach as well if they need to. So is the teaching pastor, is he considered one of the elders? Yes, he is. He is one of the elders. See, I love that, Miss, because that is so much easier when you read the New Testament. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier to relate Right. Whenever you even, yes. when you call them elders instead of pastors or board yes. members, it's yes. just easier to make the connection. Yep. Right. So, um, but but the the teaching pastor at this particular church was um, refusing to submit to the rest of the elders in something that they called on his life. They saw in his life this pattern of sin 
And it wasn't moral at all. It was just something that they saw as reoccurring and they wanted to um, help him recognize this and deal with this and then move on. And he did not. And so he resigned. Um, and Joe was like, I, I cannot believe that we're, we're going through this two years into this church. And now the pastor's leaving and these people are, the church is splitting and you know, how are, how in the world? And I said, we're not, we're not leaving because I, we, this is completely different. This is a different system than we've ever seen. We have got to stay and watch this play out. And so they implemented Matthew 18. When you see a brother that is caught in a sin, you go to him personally, privately, and you talk to him. And if he doesn't repent, you take someone with you and you go to him again. And if he still, you, you, then you bring it before the church. Okay. Mm. Yep. Yep. So we watched that play out and the, the church leadership went, overboard to try to restore this pastor. And we loved him and still love him. Um, but he made the decision to resign and for him and his wife to leave. And they continued, and this is what was mind-blowing, they continued to reach out to him periodically to seek reconciliation and for him to come back to the church to reconcile with the church body and the leadership. And he he did not pursue that. Um, and so we watched our church go through that, that process. It split the church, but there was a core group of people that remained, and Joe and I decided to trust the process. And it was after watching this play out and um, there be no hard feelings or no... Um, you know, just bitterness and, and gossip and whatever. Um, that's when we decided, okay, we're going to join this church because this is something that is so important for your family to be under the authority of church discipline for people to hold you accountable. You have this, these men who you trust and who love the body enough to give their lives for the sheep. And so we watched this process play out two more times after that when people were caught in adultery and and we were brought in as members and told, pursue this person, contact them, ask them to repent, tell them of God's love, offer them the gift of restoration if they will be come back in repentance. And, and that's what we were told to do as people. And these, these two people chose not to do that, but their spouses remained in fellowship with the church. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually when you saw the church basically under pressure is what made you decide that this was the church for you. Right. Well, you wow. know, the, right. the Bible verse cool. says, there's a Bible verse that says, behold, how they love one another. Mm-hmm. Like that, that right there is just a perfect example. Cause that's when you saw the love and like, they were trying to bring back the brother in Christ and mm. trying to right. save the body of Christ. I, yeah, that's lovely. Right. And so that's that's one of the marks, one of those nine marks of a healthy church. And, and since we have been 
there for 16 years, um, we've realized that when when the body is led by elders, that the, the qualifications for an elder are astonishing if you read it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And yep. and then the process that they go through to vet them and to interview them, and they interview their wives, and they 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 give you opportunity to meet with them one on one and ask any concerns you have in their life and bring this up to them. Talk about you know, I, and I've done that multiple times with people that have been nominated. I'm like, I'd like to meet with you and just talk to you about some concerns I have, and talk to your wife about some you know, is this going to be something that your marriage can handle, and you know, different things like that. Mm-hmm. We've had opportunities where something has come up with one of the elders, and I've been frustrated, and I've been irritated and probably downright angry. And I go to the elder and meet with him and bring my husband with me and be like, okay, here, I'm just going to spit this all out. What are you doing? And why is it like this? And, and they have a conversation with me and they offer me their opinion and they want to hear my opinion. And we work through this and we pray together. And then you know what happens after that? Our relationship is stronger. Yes. Yes. Because we've walked through conflict and we've both submitted to the Lord and we we've we've grown as brothers and sisters. And that is so much different than what we see in the CHM where right. they like to quote the whole uh, touch not mine anointed or right. whatever it is from the Old Testament. Like, like they're, they're going to be perfect. Prophets. I hate yeah. to say it, but like they're never going to mess up. Well, that's one of the things I like about the recovering fundamentalists. Right. A lot of these fundamental outfits, including ours, would call the preachers the a man of God, referencing like an Old Testament prophet. Right. Well, the <laughs> recovering fundamentalists right. then shorten it to MOG. MOG. Right. Right. That is so much different from here's this spiritual uh, guy. The Holiness Movement almost looks at it like the Catholics do, as far as the Pope. But we have many different little popes. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much anybody yeah. preaching it has a weird direct connection to God that we don't have. And what you're telling me is that you acknowledge both sides of this equation, acknowledge that they're human and you're able to challenge them on it. Right. Um, you know, I, I've, I've talked to other people that are in uh, still in the CHM um, about how it works with our, with our, our music and our sermon uh, because we, uh, the, the, the lead pastor, he's the, they call him the executive pastor, but it's pretty much because he's the one who signs the checks, mm-hmm. um, and he has a, a degree in business, and he's good with that. But he's not the head; he's not the chairman of the elders. Um, but they rotate who's teaching. They send out a preaching schedule because if you're preaching through books of the Bible, verse by verse, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You know what next Sunday's passage is going to be. Right. So they send out a preaching team, uh, a, a preaching schedule, and you can see who's going to be preaching. And everyone who is preaching, they have to submit their sermon outline um, to the elders to be looked over. That is great. To make I love sure that, that it's sound theologically, that they're not just teaching their own ideas, that they're not twisting scripture, that they're not taking things out of context, that they're telling the truth. And I had someone from the CHM say, our pastor would never, never want to show his sermon to somebody and be critiqued about it. Why? Like, why? It's not like, 
I, because I how dare you doubt him? Right. Yes. See, okay, That's exactly that answers right. the question. Because so many of them believe that, like, here's how I thought when I was a kid that the preacher prayed to God before it was time to come preach, and God directly told him what to say. So then that sets up the whole thing of how dare you? Why? Why would you want to double check what God said, Miss? Yeah. You see what I mean? So they set yeah. up that, mm-hmm. and then therefore, yeah, right. absolutely, nobody. There's no oversight on this. How dare you? Yeah. So, so when we when we walked into this, we were broken and bruised and hurting, and we were carrying baggage from childhood traumas that the church was unequipped to deal with in the CHM. And we walk into this church that their whole mission is to provide healing rivers of living water to help people. Um, And they offered us um, groups uh, for people who had experienced childhood sexual trauma or had experienced physical or emotional abuse. Um, We we were a mess financially, and it was mostly me with a spending addiction because I was trying to fill a void that I didn't know where to find it um, by just spending and driving us into debt. And they offered financial classes about, not about tithing 10%, but about giving your whole money to God and saying, what do you want me to do with this? And so everything in your life that parenting classes, um, about shepherding your child's heart and about, you know, all of these things were offered. And, and for the first time, I felt like I got saved for the first time. Because I started knowing, I started meeting a, a God that I didn't, I didn't know before, because it wasn't who I thought He was. I know what right? you mean. And so I, I, I participated in a, um, in a prayer group one time where we were talking about where do you see God in your, in your story. Just, you know, focusing on just asking the Lord to show me where, show me where you are in my story in this painful time. Where were you in this painful time? And the vision that I got was that there was a cross at the front of the church that I grew up in and where I got married, but the man on the cross was in a three-piece suit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it wasn't Jesus that I had been following. It was uh, it was a pastor. It was this whole idea of whatever he said was what I was supposed to do. But the pastors changed like a revolving door, and everyone was different, and everybody was preaching different things. And so I didn't even know who Jesus was. I knew I wanted to, and I knew I loved him, and I wanted to love him, but I didn't know if he loved me. And um, I wanted to, but when we walked into those doors, it was like we were just thrown into this river of grace that started washing over us and we could just start healing and then learning who he was. And my husband's story is just amazing of because he couldn't trust God as a father because he never could trust his own father. 
and um, just learning to trust God as a good God, because the whole time he's thinking, he's just going to abandon me like my own dad did. And, um, and, and learning who he was as father and seeing my husband, um, just flourish as, as a father, because he didn't know how to be a dad. And he thought for sure he was messing up our own boys, but the relationship that has grown out of that. And, um, it's just been, it's been the most amazing journey um, I, I, I thought about, is it David Graff that talks about the second work Yes. idea? Okay. Yes. So I was thinking about that last night. We were talking about this area of financial, um, spending in our, in my life, in my life and how, um, I'm, you know, carrying credit cards and cash for days and weeks and months and not spending it. And I asked my husband, I said, how did I get here? Who, who am I? (laughs) And he said, this is sanctification. Mm -hmm. This is, this is, this is the growth of sanctification. Um, the, the constant surrender of your will and your, and your, Everything in your life, in your hands, opening your hands to the Lord, not trying to have control. Because I struggled for years. I was at the altar every camp meeting yep. trying to get sanctified. Yeah. And it didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work. And um, it, it didn't work the way that they were always teaching it. Like you, no. so you had a different preacher preaching a different one every, like, this is what sanctification is. And I'm like, yeah, but sanctification for you is targeting something else. Like for some people, it's their eyes. For another person, it's your it wallet. Never up you know, what yeah. yeah, it's never exactly what we're being taught or preached. But even though, even, even then, the surrender is, is, the way it was presented to me, and it, it could be that I, I I listened wrong, was that this was instantaneous. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. If you really got it, it was instantaneous. And if you ever struggled again, you right. you didn't get it. Yes, it makes no and sense. So so for me, I felt like I never I never could get it because I was always struggling, but I didn't realize the growth that comes with your walk from the with the Lord, that the, the 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 sanctification that is initially given at salvation and then you grow in that because when you're saved you're set apart and set apart is sanctifying something yes. that's yes. what it means um and, and that, so that's what all these they always uh they would talk about you know it's time to be ye separate mm-hmm. you know and all this set apart and it's like guys and I, I don't say this to be a smart aleck but as soon as you're saved you are Set apart. You are set. We're right. different. We're different We're bought people. with a price. I don't know how much that, like, it's like goes it doesn't through resonate people's to them. heads. Right. right. Jesus died for us. That that's that sets me apart and, and enough. Something else I noticed too, you, Ladani, talking about this this progressive sanctification, and, and that's how I I don't believe in the instantaneous second work of right. grace. I'm like I said, I'm I'm open to be proven wrong on it, but so far I haven't been. Mm-hmm. What I do see in in the scripture is more like what LaDonna's talking about, where I continue, like, there's this beautiful thing I feel like happens between me and God to where he's constantly bringing to light my shortcomings right. and my areas where I fall short or even stray into a, a, a sinful 
scenario or something. And he's like, you need to work on that. And so I'll, Lord, this is yours now. Right. I shouldn't be doing, I shouldn't have treated so-and-so that way, or I shouldn't have reacted that way, or I shouldn't have said that thing, whatever. And it's, it's like, it's this beautiful thing of my continual sanctification. You know what that's called? You know what that's called? What's that? It's relationship. Right. Yes, I was just about ready to say. (laughs) Because if you, if you, if you think about you and, and your wife, she sees something in your life and says, you know, that hurt me when you said that, mm-hmm. then that's your opportunity to repent Yes, and say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. And your relationship grows. You, you have a conflict or something like that. And you come together and say, I love you so much. I want to do whatever it is that I need to do to deepen this relationship. How can I apologize or what can I do? And you grow when your son is going to start doing things you don't in you you know are going to be harmful you're going to reprimand him because you love him yes mm-hmm. and yes. then you know if when he gets older and you do something that hurts him he has that relationship with you to go to you and say dad this really hurt my feelings when you didn't do blah 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 because you have relationship and you're growing and he's growing and your your walk is changing and you're learning more about each other and that's that's the beauty of the gospel yes, that's it is. the message of Jesus Christ and it has it 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 has very little to do with a list of rules we were given no handbook on this whole church that we don't do this and we don't do that. We did take a membership class and they covered the things that are what they call essentials. If you are going to be a member here, you're going to need to agree on these things. The virgin birth, the inerrancy of the word of God, you know, the, the sacrifice for man, uh, of sin through Jesus Christ, all of these things are essentials. The actual fundamentals of, not, of the faith, not what right, the so-called right. fundamentalists like to tout, but the actual real. Right. That's what people. That's what these people. We're the real fundamentalists, like the cornerstones, <laughs> right? Like what, what are your what, pillars of your belief? Exactly right. the real important stuff. Yes, right. right. But then there's a list of non-essentials that this is how we, you know, we feel, and and it could have to do with. Okay, baptism does not save you. Right. We practice it and it's full immersion in the in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Communion. These we we practice it, um, but it doesn't save you. It doesn't it's not an essential to to have eternal life at our church. Okay. Some churches you have to be baptized and, and but it that's it's it's not an essential for salvation. This does not save you. That is correct. These, yes. this, so we had a list of essentials that you need to, to be in agreement with if you're going to be a member of this church. And then here's a list of things, you know, um, the millennial, uh, you know, the rapture, whatever. You know, there's right. different positions. The <laughs> right. age of the earth, there's different positions. Right. But those things are not going to cause us to not fellowship together and they're not going to keep us from being able to enjoy eternity together. Um, you know, there's a, uh, how do you feel about the gifts of the spirit? Well, our church is, essen- here's the, here's the wording. Our church is essentially reformed, but also essentially charismatic. 
Oh, wow. We believe that I like there this church are, already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we believe that there are gifts of the Spirit, that the Spirit still moves. We're not cessationists. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so, you know, these are things that we we had to work through. But I told my husband, I said, you know what's you know what's the worst part about this all? It was so easy to um, be in the holiness movement and just, I have my hose on, I have my skirt on, I have my hair up, I have my elbows covered. Um, I don't have to deal with my heart issue. Right. Don't have to deal with my attitude towards my brother. Don't have to deal with um, spending us out of control and we don't know how we're going to make the bills uh, because nobody could see that from you know, but you have to deal with your heart issues. And that was a whole new ball game. Yep. And here's the way I feel exactly. about it. And I know that there are people from the CHM that, that do listen. At least we've been told that they do. When you really sit and think about this, and this is not a, a shot at, at anybody or anything, but I mean, I don't mean it as that, but the CHM itself is extremely shallow. When you compare like you're talking, LaDonna, you could make the focus on all these externals and all these things. It's very mm-hmm. easy for me to fake somebody out with uh, externals. Right. But when you mm-hmm. really start talking about getting into all these real deep things and, and really studying in it and, you know, uh, um, figuring out what you believe with as far as the actual fundamentals of the faith and stuff, that's the deep stuff that was never, like you mentioned here, the West, uh, you said the Westminster Catechism. To this yeah. day, I'm ashamed to say, I don't know what, I've heard it mentioned. Right. I don't know what it is. Yeah, what does it mean? I was raised conservative holiness. I have, it was never once mentioned. So this is homework for me. i got to figure out what And it. that's one reason why I appreciate whenever I get ready for the bell. Natalie, when she starts to bring up things, she's actually done her research, and I am learning from her. Yes. Like, and, and I know that's probably saying that my personal walk is shallow and it's it's showing me little things where I need to work on and dig a little deeper but she's helping me to like open my eyes and be like hey right you know what like you don't know about this what does the bible say about this and so you do your research and i i appreciate how like she's so dedicated in laying it out in front of us i i plan on contacting her for a episode in the future cuz i i want to have her input on a couple of things sure so i i really i like how you like you said you Dig into the Bible. What does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> so. Right. right. So, so my husband and I were talking about, you know, our story and I was jotting things down and he said, if you'll remember, um, we were there for several years, I would say between two and three years. And he was still very much, um, you're not going to wear pants. You're not going to cut your hair. Um, you're not going to wear jewelry. Um, you know, and the boys, um, they would have youth get togethers on, um, Sunday evenings. No, we're not doing that. People would say, um, will you come out to lunch with us? No, we don't, we don't buy, we don't buy on Sunday. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. okay, we're better than you. Uh-huh. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so it, it it was a it and again my husband would say this it was a pride issue for him and the lord started convicting him because the whole time he's like how in the world did we get here the lord this is not this can't be of god to make us leave a holiness church and go to this 
um, evangelical free church. I mean, what in the world, you know, um, know. where they are singing praise songs off the screen and Uh and, all of these things. So the Lord started convicting him and really, really putting him under conviction to where our friends, our very dear friends that we had gotten close to asked us to go to um, Gatlinburg on a Sunday afternoon on a motorcycle ride and go to eat with them. And I knew in my heart when she said, would you guys do that? I'm like, Joe is not going to do that. He's not going to do that. And he opened his mouth to say no. And the Holy Spirit said, do not say no to them. And he closed his mouth and he looked at me and he opened his mouth again to say, no, we're not going to do that. And the Lord told him, do not say no to them. And he said, this is so weird. He told me, he said, I feel like I'm supposed to say yes. But how can that be that we would go to eat on a Sunday? And so we did. And he said, we didn't get struck by lightning. Uh Um, You know, and it was the beginning of a relationship with them that is so deep that, um, it's it's like they're they're our own flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but it started because the Lord told him, "Do not say no to them because relationship is more important than rules." Yes, and that's correct. He began a study on the Sabbath. He started his own study on, a, on the Sabbath. He said, "I have to have answers as to why." The Lord would tell me it's okay for me to say yes, almost command me to say yes, to go eat with people on Sunday after church. Mm -hmm. And so he did this whole study, like it was weeks of him writing stuff and going through scriptures and using different versions of Bibles and using a concordance and all these things. And he gathered us together as a family and he told the boys, he said, okay, I do not want to do to you what was done to me and just say, we do this because I said so. But we're going to make some changes because this is what the Lord has shown me. That is beautiful. And mm-hmm. our beautiful. rest, our Sabbath rest is in Christ. And anybody can choose any day of the week to be their Sabbath. Yes. Yep. But our rest is in Christ when he came and completed that work, he is our Sabbath rest. And so we can say yes to these things as we honor the Lord with his day, because we rest in the finished work of Christ. And after that, it was, okay, can we wear wedding rings? And he prayed about it and we studied together and we had a ceremony with our friends Um, And our sons stood up with us and said statements about us that made me cry like a baby, (laughs) that they wanted a marriage that looked like ours, and we put on rings after we'd been married 20 years. Yeah. Um, You know, and just, it it was a process of learning, but our our church leadership never being afraid to answer the questions 
and never being afraid to point us in the right direction of places to find answers. And, um, and I was thinking about the scripture, um, and I, I looked it up that our, our mission is to declare the gospel and disciple people and then demonstrate that yes. that's, that's our church mission, but it should be our mission as a believer. Yes, indeed. Um, and, and the scripture is that in first Peter three fifteen, it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason yes. for the hope that is in you. Yep. Right. But do it with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. And, that's what I want to do. I don't want to take shots. I don't want to cast, you know, aversions on the way I was raised. I, I love people that are still there. I love the heritage of, of a good upbringing that I was given, but I also know that I want to give, always have a reason to defend the hope that I have. Yes. I didn't ever, I was never equipped to do that with what I was growing up in. And now that I know real relationship and real life in Christ, I'm passionate about sharing that with people. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Well, LaDonna, what you've done this evening is, is paint a beautiful picture of what it is to be a Christian. A, a picture I feel like that those of us that came from CHM, we never really saw it. We never. That we, was not what was painted to us. You'll see that rare person who does have that relationship. Like my mom and dad, I, I've been blessed to be raised by parents who love Jesus with all their hearts. Yes. And like they've, I really feel like they are why I am where I am today. And I love Jesus because mm-hmm. sure. like it says, raise up a child in the way he should go. And I see how badly my parents have been treated by people that it makes me feel like, you know what? I can still love Jesus and still be able to stand for what I believe, be dealt dirty, and still be able to love people. Yeah. Yes, and if <clears throat> something I, I, I want to say too, Miss, it was it was really coming to me as LaDonna was was explaining a lot of these things. And and I'll just say it to to try to make it plain to anybody that's listening what I'm talking about. The stuff that is hammered on by Dan Stetler, Jim Plank, mm-hmm. some of the others. Right. That is so trivial compared to some of these big things we've talked about this evening. Right. I feel like this is where, this is not to say that those guys are not Christians. I'm not saying that at all. I'm I'm saying we have a disagreement. Right. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. The stuff that that we've talked about this evening, I feel like it is really, even though the holiness movement portrays itself as we are deep, we are the... The ones going. We're the best of the best, right? I feel like it's extremely mm-hmm. shallow, and this kind of stuff here, right. where where you can actually feel, like she was talking about how her church government works and how they try to actually do it biblically. We know for sure that's not happening because of my parents' situation. I have been in multiple situations where that wasn't happening. Exactly. You know, and just the whole right. thing of like, uh, uh, you, your husband's name is is it Mark? My husband's name is Joe. 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 Why did I say Mark? I because no she idea. mentioned that Mark nine or nine marks. Okay. Yes. So Joe was going on that Bible study all on his own. I've, I can relate to that. I've had right. to do that myself because when you start coming out of the holiness movement, there's 
there's not a lot of resources out there. Right. And sometimes you yeah. just got to make your own. I started this journey about 2010. Mm-hmm. And Miss, I have enjoyed every step of it. Right. Every step. Of, and I feel like that my relationship right now is closer than it ever was at any time that I stood in a pew at Clinton camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's more real oh, yeah. now. Because it's personal now. It's personal now. Before, you're told what you're supposed to believe. It was between me and whatever evangelist was up there right. yelling and screaming. Telling about you what you're supposed to believe. But now it's between me and God. Yes. Absolutely. I will say I will say this because someone commented, a friend of mine actually commented on on Tracy's the podcast that you posted with Tracy that coming out of that can be scary. Oh, extremely. Um, it there there were nights where my husband or I um, would wake up having been attacked in our dreams that we're 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 doing the wrong thing. We're going to lose our family. We're gonna we're gonna drop into hell. We're oh, going yeah. to hell because oh, yeah. we did this or because we did that. I got letters from family members that said those things. You're taking your children to hell. Oh my! Um, you know, it, and it is the. But that is when I told my husband we have to remember that there is no fear in love. Right. Christ does not bring confusion. He does not manipulate and and coerce with fear. He is gentle and lowly. Yes. And he does not he does he he's fans the flame of the smoking flax and he binds up the bruised reed. He does not mow over and stomp people out trying to tell them what they've done wrong. He is gentle. And so we have to remember that these fears and these anxiety thoughts and things are coming from the enemy because he's losing control of us. Yes, yes he is. Um, and so I, I, I encourage people that are listening that want to know how do you get out or where do you look for a, a healthy church? How do you find it? It is going to be scary because you're walking away from your community. Yes. A lot of people are walking away from family. Yes. They're leaving behind in the, in the churches. Um, they have no, they, they don't know what they believe. They don't know how to study. They don't know the word well. They've not heard healthy scriptural preaching. Um, and that that's the lifeblood that you need to be healthy. You I, need yes. clean water. You need rest for your physical health, and you need those same things for your spiritual health. Right. And to get, it's not, I'm not just thinking it's going to happen overnight either. This has taken us years no. to discover. And I think right. that's, that's one thing that being able to make that first step is where it all starts. And I'm not saying that these people have to go out there and just immediately like leave the church right like tomorrow. No, this is going to be a step process. Maybe you're not going to like wear long sleeves Sunday morning, like next Sunday morning. Nor do you ever have to. No, I'm just saying like this is like the personal convictions where God is showing you like for um, LaDonna and her husband, like for wedding rings or buying on selling on Sunday, little things like that. 
that is something that God has to guide you. Yes, and when yes, it's the right time, he will guide you. He will. Because right. he's done it for my husband and I. He's done it for LaDonna and Joe. I know he's done it for Tracy and her husband. Like different ones, Kane okay. and Mariah, my parents. We've all my have our well. walk yes. with God. And that is the most important thing. If we want to take anything away from this, I know it's LaDonna's um, episode, but the personal walk with God is the biggest Saying he loves us. There is grace. There is redemption. There is hope mm-hmm. for each one of you guys who feel like you cannot be loved, like Tracy said. Right. I, we, right. There is so much love out there from people who are outside the holiness group or inside the holiness group. It's just a matter of like who God will take, like lead you through to see. Right. I mean, we are so, so special in his sight. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. That is correct. Right. And it, just in context, it was a six-year process wow. from us Six pulling years. our son mm. out of the school to us walking into the doors of a different church yes. was six years. Wow. Yeah. I'd say it was close to six years for us, wasn't it, Miss? It was... Started in 2010, and we, we left our last holiness church about two years ago. Well, we got married at the end of 2010, so do you want to start in the middle of 10? Because before we got... I, I did start when we were, I think when we were engaged is when we were I really engaged. started. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it can be a long, absolutely yes. a long process. Long process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Donna, I, I want to give you the final word. Is there anything else um, you feel you need uh, need to be said? This has been a wonderful episode, by the way. This is, this is better it. than the last one you were on and that's hard to beat. So <laughs> <laughs> I would just, I would just encourage people to, um, to know that there is, there is hope. And there is life and um, God is for you. He's not against you and he will pursue you. His love is, is pursuing you. Um, the very fact that you're listening to the podcast is the kindness of God um, to give you hope. And that's my, my goal is to encourage people to just press into Jesus and find out who he is on a personal level um, because he is faithful and true. Yes. And he loves us. Yes. That is great. I like it, miss. I think that's a good place to shut her down, huh? I know. I was really enjoying that. One of the uh, websites that Donna mentioned, ninemarks.org. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yes. Encourage everybody else to do the same thing. One of the other things too, I have to Westminster Catechism. I got. I'm going to get off here so I can figure out what that is. Yeah, let's go get our dinner. I'll send you a link to that. Please do. I would love it. Okay. We love you all. Uh, thanks to Ladonna Cover for coming back on. Yes, thank uh, you so much. Jesus loves you. Right in. I mean, if if you're in need of some help in this area, we'll be happy to point you towards somebody who can help you out. Absolutely. But anyways, love you all. Bye.